This week in left field football content, you know what we are going to be talking about. Is football dead? Seemingly not. But should we be sad, mad or glad if it is dead? What are Spurs post-Mourinho and Messi scoring goals? Lovely. Then in not football, fans are back at the snooker. What's the first sporting event you'll be at? And is now the time for YouTubers to fight real boxers and get their heads kicked in. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Left Field, your favourite sports adjacent trash cast with me, your boy Wogan, and my good friend Andrew Allen. Andrew, are you well? I'm okay. It's been a tiring couple of days, confusing, uh, heart-wrenching couple of days for, for football fans, hasn't it? It's been uh, weird, yeah. I'm mostly chipper. If we had recorded this podcast yesterday, when I think everyone was in the throes of chaos, I would have been less chipper. But I feel good now. Inspired by a lot of the negative reaction to what we're about to discuss. Um, yeah, I feel all right. Good, good. Are you? Uh, have you managed to venture out? Obviously, lockdown restrictions sort of easing a little bit. Um, have you made it to a pub yet? Yeah, um, that's probably a good place to start, actually. So, good week, collective anger. So, on Sunday, I was in a pub and I had already had a skin full of pints when news of this European Super League broke. Um I couldn't really figure it out because I was quite a few pints deep. So I had to sober up on my train home, digest the news. And I kind of still didn't really take it seriously. I just thought, oh, fuck this. This is just a slightly more serious iteration of the usual uh, threats. And then woke up on Monday and it was like the world had ended. Like every single tweet on social media from people I, like I had this thought had very little interest in football. We're suddenly up in arms about this disastrous thing. Um, and yesterday was just a day of coming to terms with it. Yeah. So if we go back to the beginning then, obviously the news which broke on Sunday afternoon, I guess, was when the leak kind of came out, but it, it wasn't confirmed until after dark, um, almost as if these 12 clubs who were involved were embarrassed to do things in the... Uh, in the daytime, um, have effectively announced that they are launching a breakaway European competition, which will feature 15 teams with five additional teams at some point. Um, the 12 teams include six from England, Arsenal, Manchester United, Liverpool, uh, Chelsea, Manchester City and Spurs. And then what have we got? Three Italian teams into Milan, Juventus, AC Milan, two Spanish teams, Real Madrid and Barcelona. Who am I missing? Anybody? Atletico Madrid. The Spurs of uh, Spain. Um, oh, right. Okay. Because uh, we have no German club and we have no Paris Saint-Germain, assuming that they would be the French club. Um, however, there's obviously... Uh, the numbers were that 20 teams would be competing in this whenever it happened. They said was as soon as was practicable which may be met next season, um, with 15 founding members and only 12 named. So we, don't, we we still don't know who those other three are, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, look, the... I mean, obviously the reaction has been frenzied, um, not just in the media, but, I mean, supporters. Um, what was your reaction? Like, so say on Sunday when this came out, because I, I looked on... Twitter and as I said I was half cut so I just did the the looking eyes emoji and retweeted the Martin Ziegler piece in the Times 
kind of thinking that ah oh, this is just another one of those things like were you a bit more sentient at the time and did you go oh hold on this seems a bit this seems bigger yeah i mean i was watching the arsenal fulham game when um i think i saw a Tarek panja piece um and i kind of looked at it and i was like is this just like you i guess it was kind of is this more of the same is this threats is this you know uh the usual posturing we knew that the European Club Association had been kind of, which featured most of the clubs that, you know, all of the clubs that have, uh, you know, forged this league, um, had been pushing, you know, to the way for uh, reforms of the Champions League. And it, it all felt like it might be to do with that. And um, I, I kind of had one eye on it for the afternoon. But then as things kind of progressed, it became more apparent that there was going to be a formal. Uh, statement of some sort later in the evening, at which point I think people were speculating nine o'clock, ten o'clock. It didn't actually come out, I don't think, until after eleven o'clock UK time. And you know, at that point, it was it was a, a real bombshell. I mean, you read the statement; they obviously felt bullish enough, and obviously must have thought that they had a, a decent legal standing to to go all guns blazing. Um, you know, there was some comments in there I think from Andrea Agnelli the president of Juventus um, Joel Glazer one of the Glazer family who were Manchester United um, and also I think Florentino Perez was quoted in the original statement as well almost immediately Arsenal tweeted that they were a founding member weirdly capitalizing founding member um, as if they were somehow kind of particularly proud of themselves um, <laughs> In- included the, the the statement in full, but no actual comment from an Arsenal representative. So straight away you're looking at this and thinking, well, hang on a minute, here we are, classic San- Stan Kroenke kind of keeping his head below the parapet, kind of um, not really wanting to put his name to anything, but still being a, a member. Um, at that point, I was suddenly like, shit, this is this is happening. This is real. This is going to change the narrative and. You know, automatically, my, my my thoughts were, well, what 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 does this do in the short term? Like, what? How does this affect competitions that are ongoing? And you know, Arsenal have been doing all right in Europe on the Europa League front. We've got a semi final ahead of us, and here we are saying that we want to start and play in a in a new European league, um, which they want to, if possible, start from August. So you're kind of like, well, the rug's being pulled out from beneath the, you know, the feet of the manager and the players. I mean, incidentally, the the managers and the players are the ones at the moment who seem to be facing the press first, right? You know, almost exclusively all of the English clubs and their kind of hierarchies have kind of avoided the limelight. But matches are ongoing, press conferences still need to take place. And you're getting these kind of really awkward face-to-face meetings with managers who it clearly, clearly had no idea about this project, had no idea what was going on behind the scenes. And I can't, you must just think, well, you know, the working relationship I have with the people above me, if they're not telling me that stuff like this is going on, and at the same time we're having conversations about what's going to be like in the summer when we're doing transfers and all the rest of it. I just feel like all of it is just so, it's just, it's just horrible, really. Um, And I didn't sleep very well on Sunday night. You know, I really... I didn't sleep very well at all because the idea of a closed shop um, Super League where, I mean, 
basically where the rich get richer and, and, and safeguard their status in the game and, and their income um, at the expense of true competition. I mean, as we all know, these plans, there's no relegation for the 12 founding members, so they will always be there. Um, on the one hand, you might think, oh, as an Arsenal fan, oh, well, you know, there's an opportunity there for Arsenal to, 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 to rise again to a level that we've not been at for a very long time. But honestly, I just felt disgusted when I saw it. It just really saddened, appalled. It was, it, all of it just feels very cheap. I feel like our owners are chances. And, I, and, and, then, and then just a wave of sadness came over me. And by Monday morning, I felt incredibly deflated, a bit in a daze. And I know this probably sounds quite hyperbolic to people who kind of don't really give a shit about football. I mean, you probably not listen to this podcast, in fairness. But um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 my life, so much of it is entwined with Arsenal, you know, family life, whether it be, uh, you know, even financially, you know, I make money writing about Arsenal. And I feel like it, with a competition like this, if there's no if, if there's no competition, I'm not sure how interested I am. And then how do you start to untie that knot? How do you kind of unpick the life that you built for yourself around something which suddenly takes on a new meaning and you're not sure if you like it anymore? I get you. Um, I think your feelings kind of sum up the observable feelings of the fans of the other five English clubs involved in this. I think the reaction has been slightly different in Spain and slightly different in Italy. I saw a couple of people tweeting kind of, and they're obviously going on a sort of anecdotal evidence that but that it's not been received as negatively by different fan bases, that broadly most people are against it. But in England, everyone, almost everyone, has been just fumingly against this ever since it was muted. Um, we had a really interesting, one of the most interesting hours of TV that I've seen in a while, just because of how unusual it was, on Monday night, Liverpool playing... Uh, Leeds coverage started at 7 p.m. for an eight o'clock kickoff. The whole hour of build up was dedicated to this. You had Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville in the studio. Um, a really sort of bizarre conversation that you would never expect to see. Kind of heartening to see them really engage with some of the economics behind it, even though it still is weird watching Gary Neville, for example on Sky Sports, uh, who have played no small part in the commodification of football, um, say that he fully believes in the free market, only to then immediately describe how unfettered capitalism is actually bad. So it's like he's really meandering around the point without really nailing it. Um, and I think a lot of people are doing that. They're kind of, maybe football is mobilizing people to think, even if they haven't quite got to the right answer yet, to think about how the private ownership of public assets is actually extremely problematic and doesn't maybe benefit us in the way that we're told that it does. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, the, 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 the conservative government in this country has decided that it needs to, to, to step in, um, or at least that's the posturing and this, this, this suggestion from Boris Johnson and Oliver Dowden, the, the culture secretary. Um, for a Tory government to, to, to step in and, and basically change their attitude to foreign takeovers of British uh, institutions and companies would be quite a marked change. I suspect that um, 
Boris Johnson is probably hoping the clubs back down before he has to do anything of actual note to back that up because that would go some way to pissing off a lot of the types of people that he goes to for investment um, and support. Um, look, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a very emotive subject. Um, and I think what you were saying was interesting about the way that it's being received on, on the continent because... You know, each of the clubs that have been listed as founding members are doing this for very different reasons. I mean, I think greed underlines, you know, underlies all of them. But, for example, the Spanish clubs are hugely in debt, incredibly badly managed over the course of the last 10, 15 years, despite having huge uh, revenue streams. Um, the pandemic has obviously hit them and they are looking for a very quick fix. And they say, see this JP Morgan um, funding is a way out of that. Um, I think for the American owners at Liverpool, um, at Arsenal, uh, uh, I'm having a, a, a minor blank. Who's the other set of American owners in the UK? Uh, Glazers for the Glazers at Manchester United, of course. Um, you know, this is an opportunity to kind of implement an American model where the the the, the income streams are um, uh, uh, consolidated for the long term. And the risk of losing that income is nullified, basically. Um, initially, I think nobody in Serie A would particularly mind Juventus fucking off because they're massively hated. Um, I think the two um, Milan clubs, hugely uh, disappointing over the last 15 years. And again, they probably see this as a really opportunistic chance to kind of get involved in something. I was just reading a really interesting thread about the guy who owns AC Milan, another American um, guy called Elliot. Um, av- oh my God, he's a horrible a, human. A being. vulture capitalist who has spent the last two decades buying up debt in third world countries and then suing them when they default on that debt for even more money. I mean, it's a kind of like, <laughs> I mean, it's nightmarish stuff. I mean, some of the people involved in, in top level sport these days are, you know, Bond villains on steroids. Um, so, Look, I mean, there are lots of different reasons why clubs are involved. And I think fear of missing out has probably driven Manchester City and, 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 and Chelsea. I've, se- I've read some really interesting think pieces about why they might suddenly be having second thoughts about this now that the overriding reaction, and we've seen things like YouGov bowls come out and basically say that you know 79% of people are against the idea of a Super League and it being closed off like this. Um is, is, is that they've obviously used sport, Abramovich and, and, the, and the Mansour family who own City, to kind of sports wash. You know, they, they rely on popularity. Um, that's why they got into this. The last thing they want is to be in charge of a, a sports franchise, which is incredibly unpopular. It kind of goes against the reason why they bothered to get involved in it in the first place. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen next, really. I mean, it's um, it seems like the lawyers are involved. I know that UEFA have obviously been threatening expulsion from existing competitions for those teams that are still in it. Um, they're threatening to ban the players who are stuck in the middle of this from international tournaments. Uh, and I just, I just don't know where the chips are going to fall at this point. I mean, it feels like everything is stacked against the Super League teams, and yet... For them to go public with this, either they are, as I said at the beginning, incredible chances, or they actually really genuinely believe they can pull this off. 
I would say it's somewhere from a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. I kind of have two expectations now, and I wouldn't have had these expectations yesterday because I was a bit, a bit more of a negative place about this. The one, the first thing is, and it kind of goes back to the Gary Neville point of getting it, but not quite getting it, is that the word greed has been bandied around a lot, but like greed is not naturally occurring. It's the accumulation of wealth that the system incentivizes. So that encourages the most heinous aspects of human society, which in this case is, you know, the exploitation of community resources, the debasement of assets. Unless wealth is unlimited, which it isn't, then by definition that concentrates wealth in the hands of the few. And lots of people are having the opportunity to learn that through the prism of football at the moment. And it's so obvious in loads of different public spheres. But actually, when it's your community asset that you care about, and as even James Corden is up spending six minutes or eight minutes on his Saturday night show in the States talking about it, then it shows that it is actually something that maybe does affect people emotionally more than anything else, like even more than the dismantling of the NHS. Um, So I just kind of think like, bro, to everyone I see online, you're nearly there, just get over the line and realize the answer to the ills of capitalism isn't, you know, some slightly more milk toast version of the same thing where there's just a few more checks and balances which just happen to be governed by the elite that they're there to police. So like that's a positive I think. And you know that that learning that kind of stuff teaches us not to hate people like Mesut Ozil who is a worker and who covered the wages of Gunnar Soros when he was laid off. And we talked about this kind of topic at the time as well. The leech is not Ozil and the leech is not Gunnar Soros. The leech is the capitalist. And we have to use this European Super League nonsense as an opportunity to realise what like false consciousness actually is. Like We let the NHS go and we let housing go to shit and we let the railways go to shit. And everything else has been sold to private interest. But maybe football is the thing that really mobilises us. And the other thing that I... Uh, makes me happy is a lot shorter is i just feel like the wave of public opinion is so much worse i reckon they had a worst case scenario these guys uh, at a press conference in a shady boardroom somewhere and their worst case scenario is not the public relations disaster that they've had so far i just actually don't think they can surmount this i think this dies probably in a courtroom in six or 12 months time but no league is going to start in august no, I don't think August is um, optimistic, to say the least. Um, I mean, there are, you know, drips and drabs of detail, details that are kind of coming out. And, you know, when you start to kind of peel back the layers, you, you I mean, you start to see how the biggest clubs really are, are trying to even just take advantage of the smaller clubs that have been invited to this. I mean, there was talk about golden handshakes of 350 million euros each being handed out. And it turned out that actually it wasn't going to be 350 million euros each. It was going to be a, a pot divided between those 15 teams, but who got what size slice of the pie was, was, you know, varied. So you can fully expect Real Madrid and Barcelona to get a very big slice based on their existing uh, revenue streams. And then the smaller clubs like AC Milan, who I think were 30th in the Deloitte money list, uh, would probably get quite a significantly smaller one. And I mean, there are just there are just so many different elements to this. You know, there's so few details, actually, though. The specifics of it are very kind of 
vague. I mean, the fact that they went public with this, but they didn't have all of the 15 teams that they say they need. They haven't explained how five other teams might potentially qualify for it. Um, there were sort of vagaries about starting up a women's version of it in a couple of years' time at some point, as if that was just going to be something you could click your fingers and do. And, you know, as if all of the clubs that were already in this little cabal um, were somehow uh, able to put up competitive women's teams. Which, Liverpool's women's team plays in a fucking car park. Yeah, ex- well, exactly. exactly. Um, so uh, We do have some breaking news, though, as we speak. Um, they are down one club because it turns out that Chelsea have announced that they're withdrawing from the Super League amid fan protests. Wow. Um, as we speak, I'm seeing pictures from Stamford Bridge. I think fans have been gathering all evening. There is a match there tonight. Uh, kicks off quite shortly. And there is no statement yet, but uh, very reputable sources, Jacob Steinberg and Nick Ames at The Guardian reporting that they're gone. This must be it. I was going to ask you just... I don't think you will answer this or it might be a very complicated question, but if our teams do go ahead with this, regardless of the format, do we still support our teams? I, I don't know. I don't, I I don't know. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to know until it happens. Um, and that is something that's been, playing on my mind for 48 hours now um i have to say i mean this is incredible news about chelsea pulling out i mean it says something that a team could commit to something wholeheartedly on a sunday after months of discussions and by the tuesday pull out of it i mean that says something about the negativity that has surrounded this the wave of negativity um it it must be done i like honestly if if chelsea have done that they wouldn't they were also having taken the decision to be in it. I don't think they would have taken the decision to get out of it very lightly unless they were confident that they were happy to be on, on the outside of a glass house that's going to be falling in. Well, I mean, it's not the hokey cokey. I'm not entirely sure how they can go back into it again, if you see what I mean. Unless, <laughs> um, if it does sort of go to the next level. I mean, you know, this leaves the Super League now looking for, for another side. And you're already getting teams like Everton, who I think probably would have been up there in England as one of the ones you might potentially look at and say, OK, you're next on the list. They've already said they're not interested. Um, I mean, look, Arsenal at least had success in the 90s and noughties. If you're an Everton fan, like you rightly don't want to be part of this, but you would be looking at Spurs and just going, "How did they get in?" Oh, I mean, look, I know it's. A, I mean, as an Arsenal fan, obviously the sort of running joke. I mean, I I think Levy played. Um, I say Levy. I mean, it's Levy and and, and Spurs' owner is it Joe Brown or oh, not Joe Brown? Joe, whatever his face is, the, the faceless guy who lives in the Bahamas or something, bankrolls him. Um, yeah. They, uh, you know, they, he's been playing a savvy game for a while, right? You know, build the glossy new stadium, the Amazon documentary, the big superstar manager. We'll get to him. Um, you know, there's they've been pretty much kind of creating an image of a super club, and I think that's kind of that's kind of the type of thing that will probably have appealed to some of the American owners who, um, you know, bear in mind that Spurs obviously signed up with the NHL. Sorry, the NFL, didn't they, to, to host games at White Hart Lane at the new stadium. 
Yeah. So Levy has been playing a game where he's been getting in with the Americans because they think he knew where this was going and he wanted to be part of it. It didn't matter that you didn't have any actual fucking success on the pitch. So long as you looked like you might, that was going to be enough. And the thing is with some of these American... I don't want it to sound like it's an anti-American thing, but I know for a fact that Stan Kroenke don't give a fucking shit about Arsenal. I know that he barely pays any attention to what's going on on the pitch. He very rarely at the matches. And I just don't believe for one moment that he is kind of every week pouring over the newspapers, the financial reports, all of the details that need to be kept an eye on when you're running a massive club. He just leaves it all to someone else. Um, he's a busy billionaire. He's got to you know go out and keep tending to his million or billion dollar ranch or whatever it is he's got in Texas. Um, but look, I mean, I mean, right now as I see this Chelsea news, I'm starting to feel pretty good that. Um, that this thing might fail and it will be a huge relief at the same time it's pretty obvious that this is still going to cause massive ructions in european football i mean while this is all happening uefa still passed some very dodgy plans for the future of the champions league which quite frankly look like an absolute dog's dinner um this is the the swiss model um extended version of the champions league which does actually include some kind of guest passes for teams who may not make it on merit. Um, and that's it gonna... actually looks not completely unlike the Super League well, proposal. It, yeah, exactly. I mean, at least there is still this element of competition that you have to qualify through your domestic leagues to actually get into it, aside from these kind of weird couple of paths, uh, passes. But, I mean, I'm, you know, I, think, I think they kind of went down that road because that's where the big clubs were pushing them. They were pushing them, pushing them, pushing them for, for, for years that they wanted a bigger slice of the pie, these big teams. And then somehow, while they were doing all of that, they just went away and created this separate thing, almost as if they were pushing you away for down one path, thinking that's going to look really, really unpopular. And then at the exact moment they go to pass that legislation, we'll come up with our own version, which hopefully will look more appealing, and then everybody will like us. I mean, they've misjudged it, but it does feel like that's the type of thing that's happened. I mean, it is interesting that they just relatively look like good guys over the last few days. Um, and various other parties, including Sky Sports, BT Sports, um, you know, the the actual broadcasters uh, that are incoming, like Amazon and DAZN and them kind of saying, oh, well, we, we haven't been in negotiations yet, as if it's a kind of half condemnation. But what they're actually saying is we just haven't paid any money for these rights to this imaginary competition yet. Yeah. I mean, I, I, look, if this whole thing collapses, I am curious to see whether UEFA, the Premier League, decide to punish the teams anyway, you know, and they'd be well within their rights to. I don't know whether, for example, you might, you know, if Arsenal went on to win the, the Europa League, for example, you might strip them of the title, stop them from joining the Champions League. Uh, that was a, you might, a question, a question on, we got from Alex Moss on Twitter was... Uh, do you guys think the Premier League, UEFA and FIFA will have the bravery to exclude these clubs? And if they do, as fans of Arsenal and Liverpool, would you support this? Like, oh. I sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm easy with it. Like, uh, my association with Liverpool, I'm ready to end at any given second. So, look, I, honestly, I think the way this whole situation has made me feel that if if Arsenal need to be punished right now to send a message to clubs that this is not the way that you behave. Because, quite frankly, as one of the biggest clubs in you know, England, we should be looking out for the rest of the football ladder. It's embarrassing that we're not, that we're only looking out for ourselves. If a message 
has to be sent out, and that involves a punishment of some sort, whether that's a points deduction or a ban from Europe or something, then quite frankly, I think we just have to take it on the chin. Like, I, I, I'm so, I mean, that's how pissed off I am. I know that that sounds ridiculous because, you know, long-term damage of that could be big to Arsenal, who are already, you know, struggling financially at the moment. But honestly, I think, I think that's, the, that's the stance we, that the authorities have to take. I don't, I don't actually think that they will. I think they'll be bloody relieved that this whole thing blows over, if it does. And um, they'll probably want to get those big clubs back on side again, because at the same time, things like the Premier League know how important they are. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Shall we leave the Super League and move on to Jose Mourinho? Sure. I suspect the Super League will continue to come up for a couple more weeks yet. I think so. I'm very interested by this Chelsea news. We will try and add in something of a statement if one comes up during uh, the pod. Um, they're about to play Brighton very shortly, so I don't know if they'll be writing something mid-match. Uh, bad week, Jose Mourinho. I guess it's a bad week. You know, how bad is it when you get sacked and you get paid off 15-odd million quid? Um, Mourinho was sacked by Spurs on Monday. News that was completely buried by the headlines about the Super League. Spurs retiree Ryan Mason will be the caretaker now for their Premier League match this week against, I believe it's Southampton, and then the Carabao Cup final at the weekend. Do you ever just hear something that's both surprising and also completely unsurprising at the same time? Like when I read this, I was like, oh, curious. I was surprised by it, but also it was the most obvious move possible. Look, I think... I think every Spurs fan will tell you that this has been coming. It's been an incredibly unhappy 17 months for Mourinho and Spurs fans alike. Um, I, 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 I was surprised by the timing because, I mean, it was merely hours after this Super League announcement and it did feel a little bit like Daniel Levy had been emboldened by the possible golden handshake cash to you know at least have some funds spare to to hand out to a man that he's actually grown to dislike quite a lot um I think I read that the money that he will take as severance payment from this particular package means that he will have earned 80 million pounds in exit money from football clubs over the last whatever it is, 15 years or so, which is... Wow. I mean, look right there, football clubs. If you're wondering where all your money's going, it's stupid stuff like that. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, the, 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 the timing of it surprised me. I mean, it put a smile on my face uh, yesterday, for sure. I mean, I just found it highly amusing. Um, but at the same time, I guess if, if something like that was really not working out for Spurs, they're not going to make that exact same mistake again. I mean... I think Daniel Levy will probably be a little bit more savvy, look for more of a Pochettino-type appointment. I've already seen that um, Julian Nagelsmann, the highly rated German, has been linked with the position. Um, yeah, I so say in that case, it kind of makes me more worried that Spurs will get better because, as Mourinho said when he came in, he was happy with the ingredients. I think Spurs have got a lot of good players. You've spoken about it recently, about Harry Kane, Son, Lucas Moura. I mean, they have some very, very good players there. Um, it shouldn't take too much for them to go to the next level or at least back to where they were threatening to be a couple of years ago. Um, it's just, for me, it's just crazy how quickly things dipped off from the autumn when they were top. Um, what is his legacy at Spurs? Because I kind of find it weird. Is he just going to be remembered for being in a documentary as much as he, as much as anything else? And quite a different, a disappointing documentary. It's like he's not John Sitton. 
um, like him and his staff get a payoff and he leaves a kind of nothingness. Like if you had a culture before, you no longer do, such as the potency of Mourinho as a sort of weird palate cleanser. Yeah, it's, I, I suspect. I suspect he'll just they'll just want to put it behind them very quickly. Um, they didn't want him. They got him. They didn't like him. He went. He didn't win anything. Um, obviously, you know, as you said, that you know he, he might have won a trophy um, at the weekend if, if Spurs beat Manchester City in the Carabao Cup final. Um, I. I it's, it's it's a weird. It's going to be a weird spell for him. Obviously, he's made a lot of money. I, I, you know, I think with any manager to to kind of end up spending whatever it was, fifteen months of the seventeen playing your football behind closed doors. I mean, there's even less of a relationship built with the fans when that's the case. So I think it's going to be very very easy for Spurs fans to kind of forget, move on, and I suspect many of them will be hoping for someone slightly more exciting and, and more befitting of the the club's kind of. Standing. I mean, it just didn't feel right from the beginning of the, you know, Look, it was a very unspurs appointment. Ryan Mason could come in 28 years old, I think, maybe 29. He retired only a couple of years ago after getting a fractured skull. In his second game, he could win the Carabao Cup final. I know that's a complete jabroni nonsense cup, but it's still something. It's a lot more than Spurs win most years. Um, he could be a club legend really quickly and he could get the job. Like I feel like in another week, Ryan Mason would be the biggest news story. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, this time next week we might be talking about, I'm assuming, the youngest ever sort of major competition winner as a manager um, ever. In, well, at least in England. I mean, there can't be too many 28-year-old managers winning major trophies uh, in a big five league. Um, did uh, did A.D. Boothroyd win League Two or something when he was seven? <laughs> I feel like he's been seven for a long time, and he just happens to manage the England under twenty ones. Yeah, yeah. No, I've. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. The stats department will correct us. I am sure. Um, I mean, it's a it's a big old gig for for Ryan Mason, and look, I'm happy for him having had the injury that he had that he's been able to kind of find a new path back into the game so quickly. Um, be curious to see how they get on. Personally, I think City, off the back of losing uh, in the FA Cup semi-final the other day, will be pretty eager to put things right at Wembley. So I'm, I'm, I'm not holding up much hope for, for Ryan. And obviously, I, I, I enjoy the gags about Spurs not having won a major trophy since 2008. So I'm kind of hoping and rooting for, for City. A quick prediction of what Mourinho's next job would be? It's a good one. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you'd imagine something can't. more low pro, low profile in the Middle East or something, wouldn't you? Well, I was thinking about China, and then I remembered reading recently about how the investment, uh, the kind of superfluous investment in the Super League in China or whatever it's called, is uh, has gone down significantly because it has to be someone to pay him enough for him to bother. And I think that rules out a lot of teams who don't want to overpay for Mourinho because he's not good enough. And then all the other teams who just can't afford him. His managerial stock has obviously fallen. So it can't be someone who needs to be the best team or to win a Champions League. So it's someone like a Zenit St. Petersburg or someone if they were in the market. Or it's maybe an international team after the Euros. Or a team in the MLS if someone wants to give him a load of money just because he's box office. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I I 
I could potentially see him taking over an international side. I mean, look, after the Euros, maybe Portugal. I can't even, I can't even remember who Portugal's coach is, but I mean, maybe his country will come after him. Um, I don't, I I don't love, see it being another big team in the next one. I would love Jose Mourinho to be the Ireland manager. Like, I would love it. <laughs> like I, I don't I don't want to get rid of Stephen Kenny. I would take Stephen Kenny over Jose Mourinho. I would say if that all goes tits up, get me Mourinho. You think he's gonna be the new Jack Charlton? He just he's got that kind of level of psychopathy that I think you need when you can't actually tactically do that much philosophically at the international level, especially with quite limited players. You just have to build a team of people who are willing to run through a brick wall and Mourinho could kind of do that over his first twenty to 30 games in charge and at international level that's quite a long period of time <laughs> I'm not sure Ireland can afford him to be honest mate I'm sure we can find a billionaire somewhere we get that Facebook money um, <laughs> good week for cities beginning with N Norwich City have been promoted Newcastle United safe all of this has been done at the expense of Sheffield United relegated with an absolute whimper I think they're on 14 points now do you look forward to the return of fun green Norwich City and Emi Buendia who was at one point on his way to Arsenal if the papers were to be believed especially at the expense of Sheffield United who I think were in pretty bad value this year all things considered uh, yeah well look I mean uh, I thought Norwich were a pretty decent outfit when they were up um, two years ago um, they probably came up on that occasion just a little bit too early I'm not sure they quite had the, the infrastructure or the depth in the squad that they needed but you know they they had spent a lot of money um, raising investment from their their fans and others to to create this kind of new training ground and academy facility and you know they seem to be a very decently organised outfit they've obviously got Delia at the top but you know they they stuck with Daniel Farker after they got chucked out of the I say chucked out after they got relegated last time in the Premier League and that's suited them really well um, they've got a kind of charismatic coach who has a relationship with the fans, um, who plays an attractive style of football. And he, as an individual, seems capable of attracting high-quality players to the club. Um, I mean, you've mentioned Buendia. I mean, he really is a very exciting talent. I know, yes, Arsenal were linked with him. I actually think, you know, to be honest, his stock has risen so much now that it's going to take a much bigger club um, and you know, much bigger money to probably lure him away from, from Norwich. Um, you know, he's a great creator. He had incredible stats in the year that he already spent in the Premier League. And if he does stay with Norwich this summer, I imagine that he'll he'll be a real kind of handful for, for Premier League defences. Um, yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, I've always found Norwich to be a very sort of inoffensive club. Uh, it's a very nice place. It's the I believe it's the driest city in England, the least rain. Wow! Um, yeah, obviously the 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 kind of the home of Alan Partridge. Yes. Um, yeah. Coleman's, what else Coleman's is nice must, about Coleman's mustard? Coleman's, yeah. Um, Carrow Road is nice. It's kind of a good happy medium between a relatively sizable stadium, but also has a kind of sort of homely, slightly old school feel. And I went there once to watch them play. Burton Albion and I was very impressed at how many of their fans venerated Wes Hulan and this was like late Wes um, but even though they had be- well no one with the quality but maybe more important players who were playing more minutes at the time 
every second person at Carrow Road has a we- had a Wes shirt, so I, I approved. Good. So welcome back, Norwich City. Welcome back. Um, bad week, the FA Cup. God, we'll fly through this, eh? Chelsea beat Man City 1-0. Very boring semi-final, especially the first half was so dour, a bit better than the second half. Leicester beat Southampton 1-0 in a semi-final that wasn't very much better, but at least was a bit better. Uh, the magic of the cup is obviously a joke, but the Super League news really took the wind out of the sails of the FA Cup on Sunday. Like, there was the bad game on Saturday, there was the second semi on Sunday, and then we were all just talking about the Super League. Like, I think that demonstrates the magic of the cup. We have more breaking news. Oh, yeah? Because you need a klaxon. Yeah, Manchester City are preparing to pull out now as well. Oh, wow. And Defence Minister Johnny Mercer has resigned from government. Less relevant to this podcast, but just in case someone needs to know. Um, So, I mean, again, sorry to to go back to the first slot, but I mean, this is... um, this is, uh, yeah, big news again. Uh, it's dead that the European Super League, everyone got their podcasts in on Sunday, Monday, about the birth of the European Super League. Our podcast opened with its birth, and within half an hour, we've already gotten to its death. That's I feel good. Yeah, not bad, eh? We should record more often. <laughs> should, yeah. Um, where were we? The FA Cup. The FA Cup. So the uh, FA Cup the, the just FA Cup really... being overshadowed by the Super League, and here's me immediately interrupting the... <laughs> The, the segment by bringing yeah. up the Super League. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what's happening, isn't it? We should be into this. Like, we call Leicester City the team of Leicester. Um, they're on <laughs> track to win it. Uh, I, I do want, like, in May, when this final actually happens, like, it, it is in May, yeah, um, people will be, will be excited by then. Leicester versus Chelsea. I was going to say a, a, a European Super League team versus a non-Super League team, but actually Chelsea have pulled out, so it'll all be, it'll all be friendly. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I really fancy Leicester, who are in their first ever FA Cup final, to, um, to, to win the FA Cup, actually. I've just got this feeling that Brendan's going to get one over his old club. Um, Have they never been to a final? I knew they'd never won one, but they had never been to a final either. I don't think they've ever been to an FA Cup final. Man, it feels like you'd get one random FA Cup final in 1960-something, just like everyone gets one, right? You keep talking, I will look up. Um, maybe you don't get one. I don't know. But it feels like Leicester deserve one. They've already... Like, who wins a Premier League with no FA Cup? Surely you need an accompanying, uh, accompanying bit of I'm silver. Ro- I'm wrong. 1969. Yes. Great year. Uh, has 69 in it, so it's funny. It's their first since 1969. So, are we still picking Leicester? I'm still picking Leicester. Yeah, I think, I think Leicester winning... I think, you know, obviously, if Leicester won... Um, the FA Cup just a few years after winning the Premier League. I mean, they really are, they really are consolidating themselves as one of the Premier League's big six. They'll be, they're a, so they'll be getting much a more super legit. Call, they'll be getting a Super League call up any day soon. Yeah, like, and they also have that uh, very nice stadium, a huge new state-of-the-art training facilities, various pitches. Like Leicester are legit, bro. Watch out, Everton. Um, Last good week. Oh, do you have more news? No, 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 no further news at at this point. Um, I would point out that they won't get a call up to the Super League because they already released a statement saying they absolutely have no interest in joining it. So, no one wants until they're asked. Um, good week for Lionel Messi. Barcelona beat Atletico about four 0 to win the Copa del Rey. 
Bilbao went like that. One of those goals was a peach scored by Lionel Messi. There was a couple of good goals in that game. There was one where Barcelona just knocked it around for about four minutes, just uninterrupted and then scored. That was pretty impressive. Um, but Messi scored a goal with, I think, two one-twos in it. It was kind of almost like he ran the route of his famous early on Barcelona goal from about 13 years ago, um, his Maradona-esque one, but using one-twos instead of just keeping the ball himself. It was very impressive. That's, um, that's age for you, I think. You've got to let the ball do the work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, how does Messi's career play out from here? I guess there's going to be a non-Super League scenario because we think that the Super League is going to be a dead duck. I think he stays at Barcelona. I think they win the league this year. I'd then like to see him go on a weird tour, maybe go to the MLS for a year, back to Argentina to play for Mules for a year. Then I can see him just going completely mental. He gets into smoking reefer. He becomes some kind of wellness guru for short people. He gets loads of tattoos. He falls in with a bad crowd. He publishes a controversial tell-all biography extolling the virtues of LSD. You know, he manages maybe a mid-tier African nation only to resign because he tries to field a team made up entirely of water signs. And maybe he goes into hiding for a few years. His forgotten investments in Bitcoin and Bitcoin and Dogecoin finally come good in like 2050 and he comes back. Him and Cristiano become friends. Maybe they're already friends and I don't know. But they become friends again after falling out for no reason whatsoever. They host the Eurovision Song Contest Super League from the Sydney Opera House in 2055. He has a falling out with a 100-year-old Graham Norton having implored him to do the go on, go on, go on from Father Ted bit. And then he buys a minority stake in like a Serie B team and settles in Italy to just eat pasta and live out his years. C- good career trajectory? Not bad. Does he change his name to Lionel Hippie? Yeah. Yeah, he does. <laughs> what do you think is next for him? What does he do? Mid-tier African nation? I, I, I like you, am now starting to think that he might stay at... Barcelona although you know if this Super League thing keels over Barcelona may need some cash so he could move I, I, there's a bit of me that thinks that now that Juan Laporta is back in charge that he might be somehow persuaded to stay um, but if he doesn't I guess Manchester City are always there waiting um, I can imagine Messi going back into the game as a kind of low-key coach I don't really see him as a as a manager I don't really see him as an administrator, but I could imagine him kind of doing a sort of Dennis Bergkamp role where he's sort of in charge of an academy somewhere. Um, but I do like your version of events too. Eurovision Song Contest, uh, big fight with 100-year-old Graham Norton. That's what's going to happen. After the break, Nuffle Ball. I mean, it, I'm just going to read through some of the tweets. So. Uh, People yeah, say it's to... just going to be Real Madrid versus Arsenal every Thursday forever. <laughs> <laughs> Real Madrid will win a lot of those, I'd say. Uh, yeah, I, I, I imagine so. The stats would. I mean, there's just a lot of people seem to be very much enjoying it. All 12 clubs are meeting t- t- tonight to discuss disbanding the Super League, according to uh, talk sports sources. So, touch wood. Well done. Well done, everyone. God, I feel silly for getting so worked up about it. Yeah, I know. I was really hungover. I'll blend that. Um, I ate pizza and pasta yesterday. That's how hungover I was. Oh, that's... I mean, I, what did I do? Stir-fry and, stir and chilli. Oh, nice. 
I uh, am getting a new oven and hob installed on Friday. You got your clearance from the safety man. Well, they're going to make. Sure I have to get an induction one, which is that's good. Which I is believe fine. they're good. Yeah, but I have to change all of my pots and pans to to, to make it work well. We're not recording oh. still, are we? <laughs> well, we I are, mean, but it might get tacked on at the end. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. So if anyone uh, works for a cookware brand and needs to send Andrew Allen some uh, gear, there you go. I mean, Chelsea v Brighton's kickoff is now being delayed. I wonder what that's about. There must be all the protesters outside. Wow. Right. Shall we go and we can fill in some of this detail at the start? Yeah, sure. Okay. Keith Starmer is weighed in as well. Good. Um... Not football was going to start with snooker, but instead we start with more football and the Super League, which is unravelling as we record, which is very handy for us. Um, Chelsea are out. There's reports that Manchester City are imminently out. I'm just reading that all 12 clubs are apparently going to meet tonight, presumably digitally, to discuss disbanding the Super League. It sounds like that decision has already been made for them by clubs dissenting. Manchester United will be withdrawn from the Super League with official confirmation set to be made before Friday, apparently. That's from someone called Leia Smith, who works for um, Stretty News. Um, that sounds legitimate. Yeah, well, look, I mean, look, it's 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 just falling apart now, isn't it? I mean, amazing, we've been recording for 50 minutes and we've gone from 12 to 10 teams and probably nine. And who knows how many there'll be left by the time we finish recording not football. It'll just be uh, that, is it the famous, is it a Shankly quote? The two best teams in Liverpool are Liverpool and Liverpool reserves. That's That could be the Super League now if we're not careful. It might be Liverpool versus Liverpool women in that car park you were talking about. It is very funny now because I'm, like, like I had already resigned myself that I don't support Liverpool anymore. Now they're not going to be a, in the Super League, but have yet again, I mean, this isn't the first time that Liverpool have done something reprehensible, but they've just yet again shown their disdain for fans and their true colours as just a horrible corporate entity at this point. Obviously, that's not the supporters, that's not the players, it's not the manager, it's not 99% of the staff, it's just the scum at the top and I just don't want to be associated with it. And now I like I wanted them to get battered by Leeds on Monday night and I'm taking a weird pleasure in them presumably flailing now and John Henry shitting his pants. <laughs> Um, so fans are returning to uh, sporting arenas. <laughs> yes, um, snooker is back. The World Snooker Championship back at the Crucible, the hallowed turf of Sheffield. Um, what a lovely city Sheffield is. Just slightly too hilly and slightly too many students for me. But other than that, a beautiful city with lots of nice pubs and obviously the Crucible Arena. Um, it's been a testing ground for the return of sports fans, especially in an indoor setting which is weird. There's, they have to do like PCR tests going in. They have to show proof that they're clear. They have to do tests going out. It's all being monitored. And with each round, I think, or each second round, they're ramping up the numbers of fans that are there. I think it started with maybe 25% of capacity and then it's going up to 50 and then 75. And then by the final, they would have a full house all going well. Um, do you look forward to going to a sporting event? I presume it won't be snooker. Um, well, I mean, I think the most likely event is going to be some form of 
football match over the course of either the end of this season or potentially the start of next. But actually, in a weird way, I'd, I'd kind of, I'd really quite fancy a, a sort of day at the cricket. I think that would be lovely. Yeah. Day at the cricket, nice warm day, like tray of drinks, just lazing back, chewing the cud, chatting. I'd, I'd quite like to do like the third day of a quite a boring test. Yes. So there's really not much going on. And you're just wearing a nice uh, wide-brimmed hat and chugging back pints or whatever. Yeah. Either that or like some massive corporate jolly at, at Wimbledon. I know that's horrible. It probably sounds absolutely your idea of hell, but... Um, I do it. I do exactly. it. Especially when you say corporate jolly, I'm just imagining lots of free Prosecco. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking ahead to Pim's. I'm thinking lots of really nice sandwiches. I mean... Just everything that tennis is all about. Obviously, strawberries and cream. Um, yeah, I'm up for a bit of sport. You know what? You know, seeing as all the hotels are booked up and you can't go on holiday anywhere because it, pretty much everyone else got organised, fuck it, I'll just go and watch sport. You will go off on your holidays and I'll just spend my free time watching whatever I can in person. That is it, man. I'm just thinking what is on this summer because I, I, I'd love to go see like Bromley in the National League because they're kind of not that far away. I obviously want to go see a match at Chris at Sellers Park at some point, but I don't think that's going to be possible this season. I'm really looking forward to going to see Orient at Brisbane Road, have a couple of pints at the technical, walk through the gardens, what are they called, Coronation Gardens on the way. I'll sit next to some strangers, you know, talk about what a nice man Joby McEnough is. At halftime, I'll eat one of those really nasty hot dogs. I'll buy a new mug at the club shop. I'll fall asleep on the tube and leave the mug on the tube. You know, that would be lovely. I'd also quite like, you know, the buzz at a rugby match. I'm less keen on the buzz at like an English rugby match, but I'd like to go and sit in the stands at a rugby match and drink pints because you're allowed to drink in the stands at rugby because of classism, whereas you're obviously not allowed to do that in football grounds. I mean, if we set off now, we could possibly sneak into the Olympics. We'd probably need to get a car and drive pretty quickly for quite a long distance. but um, And then probably a ferry, given that Japan's a series of islands. But I mean, that's... I love that the first hurdle that we would come to is crossing to Japan. Well, that would be the issue. I mean, assuming we can get through, you know, Brexit Britain's customs people or whatever, you know, at Dover, we should be pretty good. I mean, it's pretty oh. much just, you know, you just drive in a straight line. Dude, right, Brexit Britain's customs issue. I tried to order a pair of running shoes this week. I've tried to get back into running. Good, I'm still too good, heavy, good to so hear. my jo- my joints are sore, but I'm getting there and I'm, you know, picking up, doing 8Ks, 10Ks a couple of times a week. So I was like, right, I'm going to get myself some really nice new running shoes. And running shoes, the pair that I decided that I wanted for completely arbitrary reasons, um, are a lot more expensive inside the UK than outside the UK. So, like, a completely normal person before this calendar year, I went online and found the a, a, a pair that I was happy to buy and pay, what, 80 quid for instead of, like, 140 quid because they were shipped from Spain. And I would happily take the tenor uh, import charges. And then you have to give your passport number now. This company emailed me. It was like, we need your passport number and we need to put this on the invoice and all this shit for... Uh, these Brexit, new Brexit rules. And I just didn't want to do it. So now I've had to pay 130 quid because I was so set on this stupid pair of shoes. I mean, but just imagine how the company feels, the idea that they have to call up people individually and ask for their passport. I mean, their business must be just dying when it comes to exporting stuff here. 
Yeah, what the disaster. guy seems to. The guy uh, was emailing me. Um, did say that it was very annoying that he had to cater to those rules and he wouldn't be doing it if he didn't have to. And I was like, right, fair enough. That's probably correct. Um, so what what brand were the running shoes? I'm curious. They're Mizuno. Oh, very which, uh, Japanese. Yeah, you can, you know. Are they? I think I, think, I, I vaguely remember Dwight York used to wear Mizuno boots when we were kids. I, I don't support United, so that's not a very vivid memory of mine, but... I remember having a pair of Mizuno boots and some kid saying to me, oh, like Dwight York. And I was like, sure. Founded in Osaka in 1906 by Rihachi Mizuno. Um, I'm pretty sure I had a pair of Mizuno boots as well, actually. Um, I think an underrated pair of boots, if I remember correctly. I think they did quite a lot of rugby boots as well. Did they? Interesting. Tiger Woods used Mizuno golf clubs until he turned professional in 1996. How about that? <laughs> That's, I'm turning professional, so I don't want these shitty clubs. That does not a ringing endorsement. Um, uh, the All Blacks rugby team used to, to wear them. So yeah, you're right. They did have a connection with rugby. It's um, a fair play for Mizuno. I can't wait to turn into a running geezer. Yeah. Again. What, what, used to what, be a running geezer about six years ago. Will you run in um, your various football shirts or, or will you wear some yeah. kind of actual running gear just not the liverpool shirts yeah i run in the football shirts i was running in my crystal palace gear the other day and uh not not full gear not full kit but just crystal palace shirt and uh got a few oh on palace i was like yeah lovely absolutely yeah i'm a, li- Thanks, I'm a liverpool fan <laughs> yeah <laughs> not anymore do you run in uh, football gear no I, I run in um kind of all black plain stuff just no, you're just too cool no it's not that i just I, I the last thing i want is to be red-faced huffing and puffing of some bloke to sort of notice that i'm wearing some arsenal shirt and to make a comment so basically i've just it just it's shame shame that drives shame. me to yeah. wear black i'm wearing a red and white Derry city shirt as we record and that's one of the only shirts that i wouldn't wear running because it being red it makes me look like doubly a tit after i've got a big red puffy face there's a good documentary on the bbc one last night about Derry city um a different league kind of about their founding and their how they joined the league of ireland and some of their history it's very cutesy and nice would recommend you said on bbc one uh bbc I mean, one of the BBCs. Oh, it's okay. on the iPlayer. Yeah, right, fine. Yeah. I'll look it up. Thank you. Look it up. Uh, <laughs> well, elsewhere in not football, influencer fights. Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. YouTuber beats MMA fighter in boxing match. Andrew's stomach turns immediately yeah. when he sees this kind of stuff on the schedule. You probably remember who Jake Paul is. Do you know who Ben Askren is? I looked him up. He looks like a sort of, well, it said MMA fighter, but he does not look in shape. No, no, he doesn't. He showed up with an absolute dad bod. Uh, like, I would say I'm in better physical shape than Ben Askren. I'm sure he could take me, but um, he was an amateur wrestler, so he wasn't one of, like, the aesthetic boxing-type MMA fighters. Right. Um, he was in Bellator and won FC. He was a world champion. Like, he was brilliant. And then he got a kind of late career few Bob in UFC and is now kind of, I guess, dining out. And he, I'm sure he made a million bucks out of this fight with jake paul but he got knocked out in the first round and i kind of thought well he was never a boxer and i don't ever remember seeing him throw punches well while he was a ufc fighter unless he was on the ground straddling someone um 
is it time that like these YouTubers actually had boxing matches against boxers, and so they they would actually get their heads caved in? How long do we? I don't want to see that. Referring to them as YouTubers, though, I mean, presumably if they train and they win boxing fights, they become boxers quite soon after, right? Well, this is it. It seems like the only thing left for them to do to become boxers, boxers is to beat boxers because they train full time as boxers. They have done for several years now. It feels increasingly weird that these first show boxing matches involve one person who is ostensibly a professional boxer and then one person who is not. And the person who is not is the embarrassed party in this, Ben Askren. Can you explain to me why in the clip that I watched, um, Snoop Dogg just kept screaming, where's my money? Where's my money, bitch, or something? I have no idea why Snoop Dogg was screaming that particular thing, but the whole show was just a weird shit show of celebrities. Like Oscar De La Hoya was on it, very clearly not in his right mind. Um, Snoop Dogg was on it. I believe he roasted a bone on the broadcast. What is that? Uh, what is that? Part of, he smoked a doobie, Andrew. Oh, a big, a big reefer cigarette. Um, uh, maybe more than one. Uh, but he was certainly on his best form. Um, it was a weird event i did not watch the whole event but there was lots of music it was on this new pay-per-view platform called triller that's not me saying thriller with an irish accent that is just me saying triller it appears that snoop dogg placed a bet on jake paul to to probably i guess knock out inside whatever how many rounds it was what two rounds or something i think he did him in the first round first round so he must have put a big old bet on jake paul knocking him out in the first round and he apparently won two million dollars which i guess wow. is decent but if you're snoop dogg you probably already have more than that anyway so it's not a life-changing amount for him but still well done snoop dogg uh the next fight that i've heard that jake paul guy might have is against an actual boxer are you familiar with tommy fury uh cousin of tyson former love island uh contestant I think they're brothers or half brothers. Are they? Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. But definitely um, but former Love close. Island contestant though. Former Love Island contestant and seemingly legitimate boxer, but hasn't had that many professional fights. So that would be if like I, I wish I could say otherwise, but I would actually pay to watch that. What's um what's the what's the deal with, with Tyson Fury's fight against Anthony Joshua? Is that actually gonna happen? I think so. They've signed a deal, a two-fight deal. We're supposed to get at least one of them this year, I think. We don't know when. We don't know where. Okay. They're probably Um, just holding out for a few more crowds before they do it at the Crucible. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In front of all the oldies. (laughs) Just capping and clapping and coughing, clapping and coughing. That'll be fun, though. I'd I'd like to watch that fight as well. Yeah. I love the idea of a silent boxing crowd, actually. That'd be quite funny. It's brutal. We talked about this with the UFC events in front of no one. It just sounds like every punch is a car crash. It makes me feel very guilty about watching it. Um, and finally, what's the oddest account that you follow on Twitter? <laughs> I've got one. So a few years ago, um, when I went to New York, uh, a former colleague of ours, Marty and I, um, uh, we're sitting in a hotel bar. We were there for a work trip and we, we got talking to a lady who turned out to be a porn star. And I follow Ooh. her on, on Twitter. Just for the Do you marks. know her name? Or his name? Uh, honestly, I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, she gave us several names. <laughs> it's classic. 
UEFA and the footballing world stand united against the disgraceful, self-serving proposal we have seen in the last 24 hours from a select few clubs in Europe that are fueled purely by greed above all else. By my opinion, this idea is a, a spit in the face of all football lovers and our society as well. So we will not allow them to take it away from us. You know, I can only say my personal opinion, I don't, I don't like it and, you know, hopefully it doesn't happen. Football's like a focal point of a town's hopes and dreams. That's what it, that's what it is, you know? And these dreams, they've just been shattered, not just in Britain, all across Europe. And the reason these dreams have been shattered and discarded is so that a group of billionaires can buy themselves a bigger boat. And City have pulled out. Oh dear. Chelsea have pulled out. It's all going off. Oh, very amusing. Um, all right. Well, there we go. Good job. Yeah. It's going to be fun saying I've just been recording for an hour. What did we miss? <laughs> right. Yeah.